welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about the burnt ashes of our former loves that Mother Disney has set on a funeral pyre. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. I'm Kevin. And this week we're here to talk about chapters 5 to 8 of Legacy of the Force, Betrayal. But first, previously on Forever Canon, Luke has a bad dream. Jason and Ben infiltrate a missile factory. The Solo and Skywalker family gathers together to fight about politics over Spice Loaf. And Luke informs Jason of his dangerous mission to Centerpoint Station. This week, we're going to kick it off on Chapter 5. We open up on Coruscant. Two days after that Spice Loaf politics-fueled yeah, politics verbal massacre. When we we open up on Han trying to send a message to an old friend. Will this jicklip? Yeah, let me uh let me uh, refer to the notes here. Uh stupid name. That's yeah. a terrible name. It's so bad. <laughs> Will this jicklip? <laughs> That's so bad. Terrible name. Math prodigy disappeared for 20 years as a smuggler. Red Stepla. Once again, let me check the notes. Slightly better name. Still stupid name. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. You into that? No. It's, Red Stepla? It's okay. What about Wildus Jicklip? That's bad. That's Jicklip? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. offensive. It's, it's it almost dead. sounds like something you'd find on a uh, name generator. Yeah, That's not it is. good. Yeah, it is just syllables smushed yes. together. Yeah. It's like, I can't think of a name. Generate. Perfect. Yeah. So anyways, one. Han's trying to get a hold of this Wildus Jicklip, a.k.a. Red Stepla. I can't even say that name. It's so bad. I can't handle it. He uh he can't. He can't seem to get a hold of her. She uh she's reappeared after the Yuzhan Vong War as Wildis. She ditched her smuggler persona. Han wants to talk Karelian politics with some of his Karelian friends. He's trying to reach out to other people, uh, Wedge included, and I think they say some other names, but he can't get a hold of anybody. Everybody's message, uh, like their uh, answering machine, is saying that they're on vacation, yeah. or a family leave of, abs- of absence, or whatever, and it all seems very suspicious to him. He uh, he can't get through to Wedge. He can't get through to Wilda's Jicklip, and he even pays for a long distance call across the galaxy, and that blows Leia's mind, and that blows yeah. my mind too. Because you still have to pay for extra for long distance, <laughs> even if you're talking across the galaxy. Whole new Can you meaning. imagine how much money that would be? Whole new meaning to uh, out of area. Well, you would take that call if like they're like, hey, I got a better long distance <laughs> provider yeah. here for you. I got a better deal. Do they have a Star Wars version of call and collect? Yeah, it's they called Space TNT. Nice. Boom. Boom. <laughs> drop, drop this mic if I didn't want to break it. So anyways, they come to the conclusion that his messages are getting intercepted and decoded, decrypted. Well, I think he, he doesn't know. I think he suspects. So now they're going to he wants to start looking into Right. Yeah. He definitely he says like he says they're they, taking too long to go through. Yeah, they're taking just enough time to be surveilled. Yeah. And decrypted. So he starts bouncing them off of other like other planets yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Off different satellites. Yeah. Antennas. Leia's plan to find out what's happening. More accounting. 
Yeah. She wants to track resource expenditures to narrow down what the GA is up to. Here's a question. Was Aaron Alston an accountant? I should have looked it up. It's been in my notes for days. I'd be willing but, to bet he knows an accountant. Like, this is his like, brother-in-law or this something. This is like the second time right away that we're solving mysteries about yeah. what the government is doing by yeah. tracking their numbers. About 50 pages in the book, and yeah. it's like... I think accounting Here's is... Here's a common uh, very, solution. Yeah. Here's a simple solution. We will do a lot of math. I guess when you have droids like C-3PO, who later we see that they end up using as their processor, it kind of makes more sense, I guess, to have math-based answers for everything. Yeah. It's not so big of a deal. Han and Leia are super cute. I'll tell you that for sure. And then we take a hard cut from the cute solos to Cuddy Uppy Solo. Yes. Jason is finishing up his mission on Centerpoint. Wow, we missed the whole thing. Unbelievable. Can you believe it? Yeah, you he almost has a special... Think, sorry, go ahead. You almost think as soon as you get that, you're like, wait a minute, did I, did I skip a page? We're, yeah, we're no, two pages like, stuck you know together? What? We're just going to skip over Centerpoint? It's fine. Here he is. He's done. He has a special science key, and he's looking for a special science lock on the computers. He uses the force to find the magic slot. It takes his key, and then... Psych! It's a simulation. Yeah. Wouldn't womp, you know? Bum bum bum! What a surprise, hey eh, guys? Well, and especially because in the first paragraph, it's like, oh yeah, Ben's dead. Cool. Oh yeah, he's yeah, been they just shot dropped down. that nugget. Yeah. You can hear him <laughs> squirming and writhing in pain behind you, or whatever. So far, they've ru- they've run the simulation, and it's they've only been seventy five percent successful. Or th- no, mate, wait. Uh, but even 75% wasn't good enough. It meant that either he or Ben had fallen 51% and both would have died. Yeah, but so still they, successful. So they have to, like, get this to be, like, perfect. So here we time. are again with the numbers game, right? Like, let's break it down on the numbers. Even if, so, fifty. what's 51% successful mission? We destroy center point, but we both die. Yeah. 75% successful, Ben's dead. Like, that's, this is some cold, cold business. Yeah, and he he has like some inner monologue. The kid's thirteen or something, right? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and Jason's got some inner monologue here that he's like, he's saying that Ben he feels like through the force and that that he has to Ben has to come with him for the mission to succeed. Yeah, even if Ben has to die. Yeah, and Jason's like, kind of, just fine. Yeah, he's, he's okay he's like, he's with resigned it. Resigned to the losses, you know. Yeah, in the name of success. So, we get Dr. Seiya overseeing the simulation. Dr. Seiya. Yeah. Is that, is that a Planet of the Apes reference? I want to say it is. I only... I, honestly, okay. Welcome to the internet about to hate me. I've not really seen Planet of the Apes. Um, but I know from The Simpsons, there's a guy named Dr. Seiya or something. <laughs> Dr. Seiya, Dr. Seiya. And I'm I'm on the same. Never, never seen, seen it. it either. Never I seen never it. watched the originals. Okay. Ooh. Uh, I saw the Mark Wahlberg one, and I was like, uh, "We're about to take uh, no some more. heat. Yeah. We're about to take some heat." But that's fine. That's good. So I don't know. I feel like that might have been a Planet of the Apes. It does seem. It's such a familiar, but I can't place it. But yeah. it's not a bad name. I can no, get down with Doctor Saya. That's fine. I actually like him as a character too. Yeah, late, we get we get a better look at him later on, and he is pretty cool. And again, there's a fun interaction between Doctor Saya and Ben. And Ben, yeah, again. it's hilarious. Take it. Uh, so I think right after they run the simulation, Ben's looks at Doctor Saya and says, "So what's it like to be a spy?" Yeah. And yeah. then right away, just sends like Doctor Saya is not a spy. 
Be nice. This kid loves he can, spies. You can almost see he's, like, Jacenta's annoyed by it. And then Dr. Seo re- immediately just goes, oh, of course I'm a spy. Scientist yeah. <laughs> and spy. Yeah. It's like you'd expect something like that out of, like, Bill Nye or something. Well, he's he is. He's like the, the Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, smooth criminal of the science fiction here. Yeah. He's a super smart doctor. They have a lot of plans, different ways that they're going to try to destroy Centerpoint. And they talk about the best way is probably this data chip way. That they're going to put some data chip inside of the data hole. And then it's going to chip some into the whole uh, self-destruct sequence. And then they'll have 10 minutes to get out of there. Okay. That's your best plan? All right. I don't know. <laughs> 10, Seem- 10 minutes to escape this giant Seems arbitrary. Station. Like, I uh, you know, whatever. That's your plan. That's your plan. So, Jason's reflecting on the, how many times Ben is dying in his simulations. Was it and like eight out of ten or like something? Like you said, he's, he's pretty resigned to the fact that he's coming. So, we already said he's coming. And if he dies, he dies. But we have to succeed in this mission. And it's w- another look at... Jason having that desensitized well it's kind of almost it's the weight of like being a leader and it's the responsibility of you have other people's lives in your hands yeah but he just he doesn't care well the weird thing is it's like trying to put that into like my own like punished perspective put myself in his shoes it's like we're about the same age Jacenta is right now but it's like imagine yeah going on a mission like this that's going to be pretty stressful and now all of a sudden think you're taking your 13 year old cousin with you yeah. who you're like his sole teacher right now it's and like your that's family is super tight. yeah <laughs> like your family is close and you spend a lot of time together and have survived wars and stuff like that yeah perhaps the mission would succeed but only if ben fell during its accomplishment if that were so how would jason face luke and then that that's when ben jumps in with What's it like to be a spy? He like breaks his yeah. concentration. He's done reflecting on sacrificing his cousin for the safety of the galaxy. And then the very end of that, um, I like the very end of that interaction. The, it shows Ben being a 13-year-old again, just acting, no tact. Have you ever broken anyone's neck? Just yeah. straight up question. Hey, man. And then, well, yes, but it was before I was technically a spy. <laughs> dot, 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 cut scene. Story for later. And we cut to... Han and Leia have some facts. Yep. A ship on annual mission to retrace Vong entry route into their galaxy has gone astray. But I thought that even just that was interesting, I thought, because it's a a very nervous piece, a nervous time in the galaxy where every year they're still sending a mission out there to try and figure out how these aliens came to their galaxy and ruined their lives. Yeah, man, you got to patrol the neutral zone. (laughs) Yes, you do. It's so interesting to me. Like, what a job that would be where you're like, I'm just on an exploration mission to track the serial killers that came here and wiped out planets and planets worth of people. But hey, like we said, we'll get to that. We'll get to the Vong War someday. Fact. Lots of shady activity points to the GA doing something bad in Karelian systems. 3P- 3PO describes it as Corellia about to experience a pasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that was pretty cute. I love 3PO in these books, man. He, he has so much personality. Yeah. And the comic relief works well in the movies, but it works even better in a book where there's 
so much more room for that kind of description. Like you have so much more time for it. Yeah. He's, he's funny as hell. Plus narration really builds on explaining the scene. You could have like three pages of narration just to describe the look on someone's face. Yeah. When they're not saying anything. Yeah. And true. it could speak volumes. That's so true. Han and Leia, they frame the philosophical problem again. How much power is too much power? How much control is too much control? How much independence is too much independence? It's getting reflected over and over again in these opening chapters. We're about to open up, like we are not about to, we have opened up this nine book series. So painting thickly the backdrop of what the main conflict is going to happen for they keep reflecting it over and over through all throughout these opening chapters, and I, I think that's great. And, and I, I think it's great. They bring it. They bring it up um, that if Corellia goes independent, how many people will follow them? Yeah. And starting another galactic war. Yeah. Well, even if that? it wouldn't start a war, let's like You're I think taking... Leia's saying, let's assume it doesn't start a war. They yeah. split peacefully. Everything's fine between the two now new like nations almost. That's gonna split the galaxy in two. Yeah, and if if like the Vong come back, out of the pool, which is now what they're they all have, afraid of. Yeah. yeah, now they have two weaker enemies to deal with as opposed to one unified. And front. not maybe not even two enemies, but yeah, the lack of the unified force, where that is such a focus of the galaxy uh, of the yeah. government right now in the galaxy because of what happened with the Yuzhan Vong War. Well, to give you an idea on how kind of severe and how I think it rattled everybody at the end of the Vong War was. Um, the Galactic Alliance, I think, is made up of a bunch of different independent um, government entities. Yeah. In, we haven't gotten but, much into the but namely of the, GA, but yeah. the New Republic and, and the, the Imperial, Imperial Remnant. Remnant. Yeah. Yeah. The New Republic and the Imperial Remnant yeah. are allies right now. Because that's of how huge. powerful that enemy was, the Yuuzhan Vong, yeah. that snuck up in the galaxy. Yeah. Bad. That'd be like... Bad, bad, bad an guys. Apo- like some... Guy comes out of the darkness, and all of a sudden, Palpatine and Yoda are like, allies we must be. Well, yeah, imagine how powerful that enemy would have to be, right? So that is the world we're living in, the GA. Yeah, you're right. We haven't gotten into it yet, because it hasn't come up really in the books, but the GA is comprised of the New Republic, which is the rebels who overthrew the Empire, and what was left of the Empire. They've combined forces with the rebels in the wake of having to try to defeat the Yuuzhan Vong. I think some other... Entities are in there as well, but I'm pretty sure those are the two biggest. Well, yeah, those are four. The main, the yeah. Main. yeah, they're the big heavy hitters. Han and Leia are deciding what they should do with all these newfound facts, and they decide to warn Corellia that the GA is coming. But it's either shape up or ship out. No more halfway in between yeah. playing games with the regulations and trying to get all the full benefits. Get off the fence, pick a side, do the right thing, deal with or it. get out. Like, if you want independence, take your independence. Which is kind of a backwards reflection of the whole theme of everything of a little bit of dark inside the light, a little bit of light inside the dark. Where here it's it's the opposite of it's it's not accepting that. You're not accepting the little bit of the the drop of oil inside the water. What they're saying is you either want full independence or you want full membership. You can't have both. So as much as that theme pervades everything, there are times where it can't be split where yeah. you can't split your loyalties. And again, that's a heavy theme through the book. Yeah. As Leia says, they have to grease the whole Bantha. <laughs> they have to grease the whole Bantha. I'm pretty sure that's not a saying. 
It is on Agamar, apparently. <laughs> that's, a, that's what she says. I don't know exactly what it means. I believe but, Leia. I don't yeah. Know. And, and again, reflective of that theme, coming up to the end of the scene here, Han is asking Leia to help him. The most independent man in Star Wars, a reflection of Corellia itself, literally, like he is Corellia. Yeah. The most independent guy in the galaxy has to ask the Leia, who is the representation of the idealist, everybody follows the rules government. The chaos has to ask the order for help. And it's not just that she's the order. She's part of the Jedi order. Right. So she's kind of like... Lawful good. The police <laughs> yes. for the government. Yeah. That he is now going to kind of go behind their back and yeah. warn the potential enemy. Divided loyalty. So now Leia is kind of put in a tricky spot. Does she support her husband... Or does she support the government that her order is sworn to uphold their justice and stuff? So Exactly. And in this conversation, they're like, it brings up questions like, is independence, full independence, even achievable in this world that they live in, in this system that they live in? Is it sustainable? Because what happens, like we talked about, when you take all those berries out of the pie? Yeah. You know? Take, take the resources Other people the are depending on your sharing to get by to survive yeah and is it even is it is independence even realistic because can they survive on their own without the help the help and protection of the entire galaxy uh Corellia maybe because they have like the five full planets that are already right. working together well, they I mean, might be able it's to it's a system right it's yeah. not just yeah. the planet right yeah. we're talking about the Corellian system well, the Corellia five might be able to but then a bunch of other systems are going to go we can do it too. And exactly. they all split off and to be independent exactly. and they can't handle it. They can't. That's right. So, so then they got to get on so like government assistance, basically. We'll, we'll get back to this in the later chapters actually, but that's something that Han brings up is you're setting a bad example, but we'll get back to that later. And they go ahead. Tim. When, when you were going back to him having to ask for help, the, uh, and he, in his internal monologue, he hates asking for help, saving a planet or a, or an entire star system as an ordinary task. Right. So it's how how much how much he's been involved with yeah. galactic stuff he's influenced when saving a, a star system is ordinary. Yeah. Well, they're literally they but, just went back to back wars. Like the Yuuzhan Vong War was like forever long, and then yeah, the Killick Crisis was right after that, and they were all in the middle of that nonsense too. Well, also there was. Even just uh, after Empire, there was still fighting countless Imperial warlords yeah. who were trying to consolidate power. Palpatine came back. Mm -hmm. They had to fight all that. As soon as that all dies away, boom, Vong. Yeah, that dies away, boom, Killick. It's like, holy shit. So we come to the end of this chapter with a, a, a reflection of the theme again. There is no perfect government. There's always conflicts of interest. A little bit of light inside the dark. There is no full independence. There's always some dependence on others. No matter how independent you want to think you are, there is no such thing as full independence. Again, a little bit of dark inside the light. The theme reflected over and over again. Chapter 6. Coronet. Corellia. It's Wedge! Double exclamation points. It's Wedge! Wedge. Kevin, tell us where we might know Wedge from. From the movies. From Justin. the movies. You threw me off with that. I was like, what? what? He's oh, do it again. kind of a background <laughs> character. No. 
He's not a background character. He gets ah. screen time in the next wing. He's a damn hero. He's never named on screen, I don't think, though. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe once. Maybe once. I think Luke says in Return of the Jedi. I think, but I don't. I don't think until then he is. Isn't he? So that isn't that actor? Uh, actually, Ewan McGregor's uncle. Yep. His Ewan mom. McGregor, his mom's brother. Who played Obi Wan? Yeah. Pretty okay. wild. Star yeah. Wars bloodlines carry on in real life as they do in the novels. <laughs> it's Wedge, you know, from Final Fantasy. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wedge and Biggs. Some of my, those are some of my favorite inside jokes in Final Fantasy is where you're like, <gasps> Wedge and Biggs are in every game. Yeah, that's just fun. It's kind of dumb most of the time, but it's fun. What is he up to on Coronet Corellia? Living in an ex-military retirement community with his wife and his daughter. He's in a military old age home. Yeah. He's got Pretty some, much. Yeah, military old age home. He's uh, got some mysterious visitors in the middle of the night. And they shouldn't have been able to get to his front door because that's how tight well, the security it's is there. Military facility, but also his yeah. secu- personal security is amped up even more than yeah. So who knows? Mill. Either it's somebody who sh- should be here to see him, or it's time to fight. So his wife is staying in the darkness, holding the blaster, just waiting for him to open the door. Uh, it's a lot like it reminded me of that way back in chapter three when Han and Leia are having that conversation about like. What happens if somebody comes through the door? All right, I'll shoot this way. You go that way. Yeah. And it's this is it. It acted out. So I don't know if that's like, is that a reflection of dialing up the tension already in the beginning of this novel where like you're taking a tense situation, a dangerous situation from a thought to a potentiality here where they're like, oh, somebody's at our door in the middle of the night. I think What's what it up? is is... Uh... All these characters so far, like all the older characters, are so ingrained with just there's a knock on the door in the middle of the night, it's trouble. Yep. And then, oh no, it's not. Okay, put the gun away. <laughs> well, it's either trouble or it's duty. And it turns out it's duty. Yeah. Captain Barthus and Lieutenant Titch are here to pick up Wedge on behalf of the GA. They say they need him, they say it's related to Rogue Squadron, and he. Pretty much says, all right, give me a minute. I'll catch you outside. I got to say goodbye to my wife and kid. But he's in. Yeah. He's in. And he's just as suspicious as Han is when it comes to yeah. people. Because he's got all that, all the scanning equipment for their identicars. Yeah, full-on spies. Everybody's a full-on spy. Yeah. Maybe that's why Ben keeps bringing it up. Because everybody is. His mom, his uncle, the doctor guy that he meets. Yeah. Everybody's a spy. Oh, yeah. Rogue Squadron, great books. Yep. Pretty good 64 game also. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Yeah. Was... When when you finally got to fly a spaceship on a, on 64, I think that was the first time was Rogue Squadron, wasn't it? Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Email us podcast at gmail.com. But I'm pretty sure I might be right. I, I, yeah. Or it's like Shadow of the Empire. You get to fly something for a half a second or something like that. But... Oh, those 64 games were so good, man. So good. They were so good. Ahead of their time. So nerding out about oh, no, Star Wars? Oh, that's... No loot boxes. Nope. So, Wedge also, also mentions something interesting. He's finishing his memoirs. I'd love to read that. Or have we already with all the Rogue Whoa. Squadron books? Dun, dun, dun. Getting meta. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some suspicion about Titch being sent as muscle. I'm sure it's nothing. 
They're probably not alluding to anything at all. No reason to point out why Lieutenant Titch makes you nervous and seems like the muscle in a kidnap situation. No reason to point that out at all. Cut to Coruscant. <laughs> Han and Leia call Luke. And this is just a cute little double talk conversation. Yeah. Where they are just double speaking all over each other. Gross. Yeah, pretty gross. Although they there is one good line here. Well, let's let's talk about what they're talking about. They're going back and forth, they're chit chatting about vacations. Where is Luke? He's he said he's um because Han asks them, because they're talking about vacations, yeah. asks, hey, can you take 3PO because I don't want to, or can, I, can we take R2? Yes. Yeah. Because, because I don't want to listen to 3PO. 3PO is so annoying. Can yeah. we bring R2? And Luke says, I need him to train Jedi. Yeah, I'm going week. to train Jedi. We're shipping and, out soon. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the, the phone call, it's like a video, like they're on Skype or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Luke's wearing like a full like, winter parka. Yeah. And that's when Han, obviously, it tips their suspicions, but there's a great line here where... Han's trying to convince Luke to give him R2. But if C-3PO doesn't have R2 to talk to, he'll talk to us. Han mimed putting a blaster barrel to his own temple and pulling the trigger. Save me, Luke Skywalker. You're my only hope. Oh, I freaking laughed out loud, actually. Yeah, so did I. Man, that was a great one. Really so, good. The two, the two parties exchange lots of information without exchanging any information and Han and Leia decide Luke is being shady also. Yeah, it, we start seeing here the them versus us. Yes. Uh, mentality going because Han said he's part of it. And it's all it's all coming out of Han. Yeah. He because he is so closely tied to his pride in Corellia that he gets is getting really paranoid that everybody's working against his hometown essentially yeah you know? yeah that's a w- good way to look at it rather than his home his home planet because it's a, it's a gala it's a galaxy yeah, right it's, it's a it's a bigger scale than we deal with here on little planet earth but you yeah. know it's still it still applies which is how i've always pictured Corellia. Corellia is like an, an earth yeah essentially and actually at the end of this conversation han and leia like lay it out for the reader how complicated this situation is for them like how their loyalties are divided between the government and the jedi and and Corellia for for han their loyalties are spread wide yeah cut back to wedge landing on coruscant with barthus and titch just as the falcon is pulling out what are the odds okay listen it's a gigantic city planet with how many hangars Landing bays, garages. Yeah, it's got trillions of people on it. They just so happen to pull up past the Millennium Falcon as the Millennium Falcon is leaving. Which, Barthus... That's fine. That's fine. It's a pretty cool framing yeah. device. Oh. And, and Barthus is... Wedge is like, hey, that's the Falcon. She's like, yeah, okay, there's lots of those. Yeah, sure, sure, it is. Th- sure thing, guy. Yeah, but if you're flying around with Wedge and he's like, I know, hey, right? look, it's the Falcon. I'm going to go, what? Where? And now, isn't that... Maybe you another old timer. Yeah. Isn't that maybe another clue to their true motivations, where they're not really interested in this guy, yeah, at all. Yeah. So they take him to his room. They they take him to a building. They take him to his chambers, bunk beds, and old computers. On the way in, when the door shuts behind him, he notes Wedge does that the door sounds armored. Yes. Just by ear, click, bang. He's like, oh, that's armored, again. Psych, no mission. You're kidnapped, son. Yeah. What? Suck that wedge. Yeah, essentially kidnapped by the GA. Yeah, the GA has decided to take 
all of the influential Karelians and take them out of the equation as uh, maybe just during their oper- operation to center point. But I mean, it's kind of like a, a shit move, but from <laughs> their perspective, <laughs> it's actually, yeah. if they pulled off all of the, the abduction type things like this, really well played. They don't want anybody caught in the crossfire. Well, not just to- that. Think about make it. it if make you're, them look bad. If you're going to send a fleet of ships into the Corellian system, do you want to fly against Wedge? Or no, do you want him not. safe somewhere? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That's the thing. Is like you're you're taking pieces out of the puzzle whichever side they may fall on, but you're also, yeah, like you're eliminating risk. Yeah, know, like from, that's... From the mission. From a military standpoint, that's really well played on yeah. their part. It is. That's a good Still maneuver. a dick move because he well, told them as by... We'll, dick move. As we'll see yeah. about the GA... Well, um, he told them mean. specifically, the Corellian government asked me to come and work for them, and I That's said and no. He turned them down. So yeah. it's still kind of like a... And as we yeah. were saying about how we can't believe that they're not interested in him, Titch straight up says he hates rebel heroes because he thinks the Empire would have smashed the Vong had the Empire not been broken apart by the Rebels. So he has no love for Rebel heroes, which is another interesting point about the world that we're living in. There's a lot. There's still plenty of people who have no love for the Galactic Alliance, no love for the New Republic, and lots of love for the old Empire. I don't remember where I heard it, but it's. I'm pretty sure it was a Han Solo quote where someone said something similar to Han about, like, the Empire would have just made a super weapon and wiped out the Vong. Yeah. And then Han shot it. does sound very familiar. He shot it down and basically said, no, it wouldn't have mattered because some hotshot young Vong pilot would have just flown in there, shot it in one little spot with a torpedo and blew the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, there's there's a Yuzhan Vong Luke Skywalker out there somewhere. For sure. Because that's the thing is, like, if you believe in the downfall of the Empire, then you probably believe that it's a good thing. You probably believe that it should have happened and it was destined to happen and all that kind of stuff. That uh, Titch guy that saying how he Lieutenant hates the rebels. Titch. Yeah, saying how he hates the the old rebels and and the Rogue Squadron and all that. Yeah. He no respect. Yeah, he essentially threatens Wedge. Yeah. By saying, "I have this blaster. Mm-hmm. It could it could be set to stun, well, but they, I never they do." They have a little dick measuring contest That's... on the way out the door. Yeah. They they exchange chirps, and he walks yeah. out, and Wedge is locked in. Yeah, Wedge is locked in, and he he says, "Your career is over." By the way, just so you know. Yeah, which is again like. That's a bit of a douchey old man flex. You'll never work in this town again. It, yeah. Like, wait till I call yeah, customer well, support. I get a hold of your manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this spaghetti is cold. Anyways, chapter seven, we got our first open in outer space, which I thought to make a note of. This is interesting. Where are we? Near Karelia, of course. Yeah. We're on a GA ship, a new ship. A galactic class cruiser being headed by Admiral Klauskin. Whoa, it's not just a cruiser. It's a galactic class battle carrier. So, correct. This thing carries starfighters, and it the way it just says it's not just a carrier, it's a battle carrier, which makes yeah. me think it's a carrier on fucking steroids. I think they say it's like two and a half times the size of a of a super star destroyer. 
Yeah. Or uh, maybe just a regular Star Destroyer. Massing half again what the Star Destroyer did. So, so one and a half one and times. And a half time. So it's, a it's huge because Star Destroyer is more tiny. Big old yeah. ship. Admiral Klauskin, the operation leader, commander of the Dodonna. Dun, dun, dun. Name drop. Jan Dodonna is the old man from, I almost said Empire Strikes Back, from, oh my God, A New Hope. <laughs> Who is laying out the plans for how we're going to blow up the Death Star. We're going to get in there in the single fighter and the bleep, 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 yeah. bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah, he was also in uh, Rogue One, played by the guy who plays Barriss and Selmy from Game of Thrones. Who? Barriss and Selmy? Who's that? Yeah, he's the old Kingsguard guy. Oh, oh you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Snap. I like that character a lot. He's good. Listen, Game of Thrones is sick. We'll, we'll have to talk about that another time. <laughs> but this is the Galactic Alliance Second Fleet arriving for a mission in Corellia system. The Corellian system. You know, I don't know. Whatever. Call it whatever you want. Admiral Klauskin is feeling the weight of responsibility and leadership, much like Jason was in Chapter 5. Once again, reflections of ripples in the pond. Everybody understands what's at stake here. The Galactic yeah. Alliance is launching a mission to shut down a dangerous weapon in the hands of essentially rebels and they're they know the this consequences are they're about to start a civil war yeah really because the last few few uh lines is um let's see with the correct few orders correct few maneuvers he could prevent a war he he could prevent it he had to prevent it and and then the last two lines are had to that's it had to that just kind of gives you how much weight is on this one person's shoulders. Even it seems like more pressures on him than even like Jasen and Ben and all well, the yeah, other because teams he's in, involved. He's literally he or she. I don't. I don't think I'm we. Sure. Uh, I don't remember. But he. either way, the admiral is literally in charge of hundreds of thousands of direct lives directly, not just yeah, their. He's little part cousin. of like yeah. the main thrust of the attack. But, like, even, like... Well, he's the admiral for the whole second fleet. Yeah. Right? So that's yeah. a lot of people. But even, like, yes, the Jedi task forces might not be part of that. They could be just working along. So he might not have operational command over the Jedi units, but... Well, what still we know about their relationship with the government him. is that they're beholden to the government, so... Yeah, but they're not I'm directly sure that, part of the government's yeah, military. I don't think the Jedi are doing a mission on their own. I bet you they're... Why would why would they get involved on their own? You know what I mean? They're probably under the direction of the government. But we'll find out as we move along. Now we cut to Coronet Corellia. A hotel meeting between Idol Saxon, the five world prime minister, the five worlds of the Corellian system, the prime minister of all the worlds. Surprise, psych! It's Han and Leia in disguise. It's not whatever and a tuscan raider like just what? some random female and a tuscan raider how do han and leia just put on disguises and trick people are um, they not like the most famous faces in the galaxy yeah but it says he was wearing like a tuscan raider's head thing. yeah him i can allow. and she was wearing a i, I think she was wearing, wearing like a, a veil mask. or something over her face yeah whoop de do yeah, a I don't know, semi-transparent maybe... veil they rolled great stealth checks i know yeah i guess yeah. They, they crit <laughs> That's 20s. So they come, warning of imminent action by the GA. Corellia, of course, we get a peek into Idle Saxon's thoughts, and they are, of course, hiding even more secrets than have been revealed uh, by anybody else's 
investigation so far. Yep. And here's where Han lays down the law. As I alluded to earlier, he says their government is being irresponsible with their message and their actions because they're setting a standard that not everybody who will follow it can successfully follow. Yeah. They're calling people to a cause that they are not fully supporting. Yeah. They're just fo- the people are just following blindly. Mm-hmm. Just, all right, we'll do what you say. And once again, to end the scene, they exchange threats and part ways out the door. Yeah. So everybody is getting along nicely here so far through <laughs> chapters five, six, and seven. And now we cut back to outer space, Karelia. Jaina, Zek, and other Jedi are smuggling themselves onto Karelia. Mara's contact, Talon Card. Here's a little note. Great name. Okay. Will this jicklet take a walk? Talon card. Why is it better? I don't know, but it sounds way better. Are you familiar with Talon card? Yes, I'm familiar with the character. I know who he is as a character, but I'm just... What makes one name better than another? I don't know. I Will, like that. Will this Jicklip? Tal- Talon Carr is pretty terrible. a sweet name, but I love like he's kind of like a gambler, swindler kind of guy yeah. too. And his, the name of he's... I think he's got multiple ships, but his one ship is called Wild Card, mm-hmm. and Card is spelled like his last name. It's yeah. just awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean maybe that's why it, because it's a real word. Maybe that's why his name seems more relatable and cooler. Well, but Will this Jicklip? Well, yeah. even. Red, what was it, Red Stepla? Red Stepla? Red's a real word, but every time yeah. I hear the, the word red as a, a name... Stapler. It just makes me think of the dude from Office Space. No, like every time I my, see the name Red, I always think of Seventy stapler. Show. Have you seen my stapler? And it's like, <laughs> what? Anyways, yeah. he hooks him up with a ship, and Jaina says it smells like hot diarrhea. Yes. So that must be a fun trip through hyperspace and across the stars. Quick cut again. We're getting a lot of quick cuts here as we have split the party into many parties. Yep. Like a lot I said, is happening right now. After that family dinner, we're going to start get some threads twining together instead of one big thick thread. <laughs> Coruscant cut back to Wedge as he executes the beginning of his elaborate escape plan. Now, yeah. rereading this part, I remembered the chair thing and, and whatnot, but I thought this happened way later in the book. I thought he was stuck here longer, but... No, no, it's like the whole space of one chapter. Yeah, like, yeah. he is a badass. It seems yeah. like he's only there for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, he's like, uh... It's definitely, like, a couple days or something, because he talks about how the guard comes in, like, six-hour increments for his food or whatever. Yeah. But, like, yeah, pretty quick. Pretty Figured it out pretty quick. He's sitting there pretending to play computer games and push the chair games. Like, how dumb are these people that are watching him? Like... He's standing up and trying to kick his chair to an exact specific spot over and over again. That's not suspicious at all. No, but like... What? Like, they're watching him on a monitor probably. There's someone going, what? What? This is Wedge Antilli? Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, he's gone crazy in his old this age. This is the guy that destro- helped destroy the second death star. This is the guy? It's bonkers. So he's, he's timed out Titch's schedule and he strikes when Titch brings his food. He electrocutes him. He jams the door. Steals his gun. Stuns Barthus. Evades the security team. Boom. Done. Badass Wedge made that look so easy. Yeah. Retired old well, man. Outbrains. Young officers. That's I love how, though, at one point, like, the door's open. He could leave the room. Instead, yeah. he stays in the room. Yep. 
in the dark. Yep. Waits for the security team to come in. Like he could have just booked it. He's but, also a spy. Yeah. I don't know if you know. He that. waits for more people to come to him. Yeah. Ambushes them in the dark, then leaves. And just he's like, I'm on my way out the door. Gotta go. Gotta go. Catch you later. He's like, I'm gonna steal some clothes. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my way out of here. And he also does another little poke at Titch. Oh yeah. Saying because. Uh, in the earlier conversation, he's like, you'll be cleaning freshers the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. He, when he takes his blaster, he just says, remember? Freshers. Yeah, remember. Takes off. Now, I want to talk about this electrocution scene because I didn't understand it. He says that he pulls the power cord out of his monitor and then sticks it in the water. He spills uh, his cup of water on the floor. Wait, maybe I'm just thinking about the ba- maybe I'm just thinking about this backwards. Like he probably pulls the cord out of the back of the monitor, yeah, and and leaves like it plugged under... into the power source. Yeah, he reaches Never underneath mind. the the desk. I thought that was pretty weird, and I was like, I must not be understanding what's happening here. I'm going to ask my friends. Turns out I'm dumb. So that's also why. one thing I thought was hilarious is, like, Star Wars has this kind of reputation for not having like bluetooth technology yeah well i mean they also don't have gfis yeah there's no no ground fault interrupters around here you are getting zapped to death you could not do what wedge did yeah at all here like it's it's pretty far-fetched but yeah it's hilarious well wow i don't know coming up on our final chapter of the week chapter eight he broke the grounding chrono yeah like actually you know what's funny my amp my 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 cord for my amp. I'm gonna leave all this in. My cord for my amp doesn't have a ground prong, so for the last like five years, whenever I play my electric guitar and sing at the same time, I get zapped on my lips whenever I touch <laughs> to the microphone. And I'm like, ah, I should probably get a probably get another power cord here. I probably yeah. don't need to zap my face off every time. I'm... Anyways, chapter eight. Like I said, Carillion system. Outbound from Talus. Is Talus in the Carillion system? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's, it must be a, just a, a close jump. A near system, planet Talus, jumping out of there. Dr. Seiya heading back to Centerpoint, disguised as if he was on vacation. Just like everybody else's... <clears throat> what answering machines have been, we're on vacation. Mm-hmm. It's a family emergency, one or the other. He's disguised as if he was gone on vacation. Totally not training Jedi to destroy Center Point. Just on a nice tropical vacation. He's got a wacky shirt. And a spray colors. on tan. A as spray soon on as tan. they said You're spray right. on tan, I pictured Donald Trump. That was noted, and mm-hmm. I hope his hair is better. But he's Probably. definitely got a better shirt. Some wacky shirt, like LED shirt or something. Just it's a it's a plastic shirt. Changes apparently. colors and designs all the time. He's got he just lets this kid poke him on the ship for like forever. No, yeah. one thing they don't. I don't think they mention it. If they Aren't do, you I say missed though, it. Like, excuse me, miss. Stop your child. No, no, not even that. When they first talk about how his shirt can change colors, I'm thinking, oh, this is some like spy technology. If you're being chased, you could just turn around the corner, like, right, click like camouflage, it, and all of a sudden, not just camouflage, but like change to like a very obviously different color shirt, so people at a quick glance would miss you. Right. And he, there's this kid just poking it. I'm like, wait a minute, maybe this is just some kind of like novelty tourist shirt? Yep, because he's I don't know vacation. if they actually specify that, I think though. they said something about it's got palm trees or something. Yeah, like it's orange with it. violet, uh, violent purple flames crisscrossing it at the beginning. Oh, there you go. He's a Kid Rock fan. Yeah. Moving on. He's feeling conflicted about destroying Centerpoint. Yeah. 
because it has great power for good. But he has no faith in the sentient beings of the galaxy to use it for good. So he pretty much settles on the fact that this little kid who's been poking his shirt this whole time and the mom sitting next to him, they're going back to the center point too. They work there. She works there. They live there. They're probably going to die. He's another person resigning himself to the deaths of others for the greater good. I don't know if that's going to foreshadow anything, but stay tuned. <laughs> we get a description of Centerpoint here from Dr. Saya's view. I think they're a little far out here, but he says it's a gray white blob with axial cylinders protruding at two opposed points. It was merely impressive in its scale and in the potential damage it could do. At this distance, of course, its scale was not apparent. What looked like a smooth surface would, as they got closer, be revealed to be a rough, scaly exterior of towers, spires, antenna, parabolic dishes, conduits, traffic tubes, ports, space scraper-sized battery arrays, shield generators, and other apparatus. Something like the surface of Coruscant and its busiest sectors, but without that world's feeble attempts at maintaining a consistently pleasing set of architectural standards. So he's pretty much saying it. It's ugly. It's a big blob with a bunch of shite all over it. Yeah. And nobody ever bothered to worry about making it look good. I don't know. I find that quite interesting. The thing is huge, enormous. Yeah. Dr. Say is sitting there with the kid. He sees center point come into view and he click, click, puts a little button on his uh, collar and it sends a encoded message to Jason's coma computer. Jason is hiding in the cargo hold and he's woken up by the transmission. It wakes up his computer, boots on some lights, kicks him some oxygen, brings him back to life. They sound like they're wearing old Neil Armstrong style astronaut suits. Yeah. Like, like heavy, <laughs> clunky environmental suits. Like they'd, they they'd go to great pains to describe them as being a pain. Like, it almost yeah. sounds like I kind of get the vibe that it's like secondhand surplus, like Russian cosmonaut. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you're not sure that the quality's yeah. there anymore. You know? What do you mean yeah. quality? It's great. It's great <laughs> environmental suit. You wear it on the outside of ship, because that's what they do. They they climb out of these containers, they open up an airlock, and they're they just go on the outside of the ship, and yeah. chill out there. Team Minoc. Minox being, of course, featured in episode five yeah. on the uh, asteroid where that little, uh, where they fly down the thing's throat and it's got Minox living inside his throat. Yeah. And they're like, on the power cables. Mm -hmm. And they put on those, those danky little masks yeah, they put on. The... Get a life. Like a, like a pilot mask. And those were wireless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were. But the planet Adumar, not. What planet was it? What planet were we on in Chapter 2? Uh, I don't know if Great it's... question. Adumar, yeah. Adamar. 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 So, did Leia say that that greasing a bantha thing was from Adumar? No, she said Agamar. Agamar. Yeah. Well, how about that? You change one letter. It's how about that sci-fi? Team Minoc hanging out on the outside of the ship. And they talk about repeatedly how there's been lots of bribes to make... All of these things work. Like Jaina and Zek on the on the thing set up by Mara and Talon Card, her friend Talon Card. 
these uh, Jason and, and Ben in the, in the cargo hold of the ship that Dr. Say is traveling on back to center point, the bribing cargo workers to put the bins on top so that they're, they can open them. Cause the lid opens up the top. They're Plus like, another like bribe sorry, uh, to get the guy to pr- reprogram the, like the airlock to have an alarm not go off when they open it. Yeah. Just like all, all kinds of stuff. Everything has a lot of the Banthas. Yep. Every Bantha from, from here to, I'll I'll grease. I think you're using the phrase, the saying wrong, but this makes more sense. You know what? I like it my way. I like... Anyway. Greasing all the Banthas from here to Coronet Corellia. Our next scene. Jaina's Jedi team gets dropped off outside the Prime Minister's house. Not at all suspicious. Zek gets checked out by a stranger and feels Jaina's jealousy. And we get a little more insight into their relationship. The two of them spent a lot of time with some psychic bugs who have a hive mind. Yeah. So Jaina and Zek, in the time that they spent inside of this Killick colony nest colony, yeah, yeah, they kind of gained psychic powers. I mean, they kind of became joined in the at the mind. As, as much as they they talk about how. Jedi who spend a lot of time together are often they, their minds become like uh, readable they, to each yeah, other. Yeah, they can react and counter react without feel, thinking yeah, about feel it. Feel each other's thoughts and emotions a lot better, more clearer over time. Well, this is like turned up to eleven because they were literally a hive mind together for a while. A few years earlier, Jane and Zach had bonded a union of mind and personality that went beyond even a force bond. It was something that had resulted from their interaction with the Killicks, a hive mind species. Eventually, the intensity of their union had largely faded, but Jaina's and Zek's thoughts and feelings remained intertwined to a degree unusual even for Jedi. Sometimes it was comforting, even exhilarating. Other times, like now, when he gets checked out by a stranger... It was uncomfortable and, she, and distracting. And she gets irritated and, and he, feels he it. loves it. Oh, he absolutely loves it. Because Jaina always says, you're not my boyfriend. And then she still has feelings for him and leads him on to a small degree. Is is that is that the feelings for him? Is that from working together or from being part of or the Hive Or from being Killick? the same mind for yeah. a while, right? That's, that's interesting. Maybe that's, where, maybe that's where she gets so conflicted about her feelings for Zek is not not understanding the origin of them and maybe that's what makes her uneasy it could yeah like she's thinking is this my feelings or is this just because we were we kind of shared a we were one wired together for a while yeah 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 i don't know that's interesting but we get a couple of name drops on some of the other jedi who are here with jane and zek we have a female bothan collier julia and a male falline than mithric what's a falline kevin um they're like the lock revenants. <laughs> just for the record, I just throw this at Kevin <laughs> with no warning whatsoever because yeah. I know he's an encyclopedia. Um, well, so whenever he pauses, there's me, the lock revenant led by Captain Nim yeah. from the Starfighter games. Yep. Uh, he See, was failing. Uh, then also, I believe Zim the Despot, maybe? But And what, also Prince uh, Gizor. Yes. And what they are is. I think they're like a they, reptilian. They're like greenish to orangish skin, skinned aliens. I think they can, can change the color. Can change the color of their skin based on 
different circumstances, whatever they, uh, but uh, they also have great power over their own pheromones. Yeah. And they, they can, can make people feel things by releasing chemicals. Yeah. But, now put that on a Jedi. Put that Whoa. in your pipe. Now, the other one, the other Jedi, like we mentioned, was the Bothan, who don't get seen in the movies. That would be too expensive. Yes, it would. But they are mentioned in great detail. If you may remember, Mon Mothma standing there, many Bothans died to bring us this information spot on i know that wasn't a bad impression i could see her in, in my mind Ooh, saying it. i got goosebumps from myself because i am conceited but <laughs> those are that's who's with jana and, and zach here a, a skin changer and a hairy dog man sorry lady hairy dog lady hairy dog later team Ooh, have good names by the way yeah they, they got pretty good names kohler sorry kohler i guess it depends on how you want to pronounce them yeah. if you pronounce them cool maybe they're cool Kalir, Hulia, and Than Mithric. It's all right. I they think have... they're Jedi. Jedi get better names. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I'll allow that. Uh, a fr- old friend mentioned in passing gets a name like Wildis Jicklip. Yeah. Jicklip. Yeah. Let's see if she. <laughs> I can't. Let's I can't, see if she comes back. I can't say that enough. Because it's so bad. Wildis I can't say it without almost bursting Jicklip. out laughing. Once again, speaking of bad names, Team Purella. Purella. Team Perla reports yeah. in. That's this Jedi team. Team Perella reports in. I don't... What is a Perella? I don't know. Ah, if Kevin I'm, doesn't I'm know, then it's not a thing. Moving it's, on! It's not real. Cut to outer space near Corellia. Luke, on his training mission with the Jedis, teaching them how to work X-Wings. Psych! <laughs> He's running a mission to Corellia like everybody else. He's standing next to his XJ-6 X-Wing. And they list a bunch of the ships in the in the uh, in the hold of the freighter here. Squadrons of Eta Five interceptors. I'm gonna hold you right there. Ooh. And Eta Two Ooh. is the starfighter that uh, From, Anakin yeah. and Obi Wan fly at the beginning of Episode Three. Yeah, the, the Jedi inter- the Jedi interceptor. Yeah, the, the you can see a lot blades, of. Um, right? It's kind yeah. of a cross between Obi Wan's Jedi starfighter from Episode Two. And a TIE fighter. You can really see the connection blending in. That's why I noted all these was because yeah. I wanted to nerd out with so, them. So this is three models newer. Yeah. And Must I'm be pretty so pissed because I don't think there's pictures on the internet. We'll get to the, my favorite ship later. The, uh, ooh, I don't remember what they're called. The XJs that can turn invisible. Oh, yeah. The stealth X-Wings. X- the stealth X. I don't, yeah. no, I don't think XJ they're invisible. Nines. I they think they just have like they reflect the space around them. Yeah, they, they don't they be do. actually yeah, have no, cloak, like visual yeah. cloaking, but they, they have a really much... good paint job. Also, yeah. we have shield equipped ties. That's a smart upgrade. A little bit of an oversight, not an oversight. They did it on purpose because they value money over humans. I think but... this is where we finally see the Imperial Remnant is part of the Galactic Alliance. That's because they're point. contributing to this because mission. Here are Tie Fighters next to the X Wings and B Wings. Lots of squadrons, lots of fighters, lots of pilots. All the pilots seem to be getting ready for some imminent mission that we don't get details on. Luke's there with Mara, and she tells him that he had a vision while he was meditating. So not only is this guy having bad dreams, he's having bad visions. A vision of Ben talking to the man who doesn't exist, the man from his dream. But Ben's talking to him in the future. These dreams and visions are... Not entirely helpful, are they? I mean, no. Very abstract. <laughs> I like yeah. the fact, though, that. Raises a lot of questions. It's kind of, well, not foreshadowing, but it, the way it's 
bothering the Grandmaster of the Jedi Order mm-hmm. is awesome. That kind of shows you the severity of what's to come if, awesome if he's losing right sleep there. over it, you know? It's literally to inspire awe at the danger. That's a good point. That and, is a good point. And she tries to make him feel better when he says, the man who doesn't exist, because it says, um, she asks when, he said, the future, Ben's older, a little bit yeah. taller. She's like, well, at least that... That argues well for what he's up to today. It means Ben's going to probably survive the center point mission yeah. that we sent him on. And then so they actually a have a little... silver lining. They have a little point where they talk about how worrying about kids probably would have killed the Jedi Order back in the day before the Sith ever did, which I, I just thought that was kind of funny. That's why they don't have attachments, so that they uh, can uh, make whatever decisions they want to without worrying about their kids, which is not wrong. Team Tauntaun, Team Slash Rat report in. And then it's time to jump to hyperspace. Luke and the rest of the Jedi get in their X-Wings ready for next week where we cover chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12. This week, we are ready to jump into the missions. Next week, we will execute the plans. Execute. Execute the plans. Team Slash Rat. What's up? <laughs> don't like that team slash rat team it's, tauntaun's the best team yeah, tauntaun's good i like team mind knock i don't like i don't know what a perella is maybe i no. should have looked it up team Purella. let us know either way that's it for this week i'm justin you got it i'm tim i'm kevin catch you later for any comments and questions you can hit us up at forever at gmail.com forever canon podcast is a jay Plazer production Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at jplazer. Check us out.